Super Talk Mississippi Media Production. Well, free record on my count. Seven, six, five, four, three, two. Roll A, fade up on A. Southern Miss to the top. You're tuned in to the Eagle Hour. Hey, happy afternoon to you, everybody. Glad you're tuned in for another edition of the Eagle Hour. Bob Getty and Luke Johnson, along with Dalton Sanford from the First Bank Studios in Laurel and Hattiesburg. We're glad you're with us today. First segment of the show, sponsored by our good friends down at Dickey's Barbecue Pit. Now, look, I'm going to tell you, if you're planning to be at the homecoming in two weeks and you want a great meal and you don't want to have to fool with it and you want to just be able to sit back and enjoy your tailgate, really very simple. Just call the good guys at Dickey's Barbecue Pit and they will pick you up. Uh, be looking at our Facebook page. We're going to put together a, a Dickey's promotion and uh, how you can win some free Eagle Hour stuff at homecoming in conjunction with Dickey's Barbecue. So we'll have more about that later. Maureen Sullivan McCannon is a former volleyball player and now a volleyball referee. She'll be joining us later in the show. But first, we want to bring a, a guy on that's uh, very interesting to hear his input. Yesterday, as you recall, we uh, we talked a little bit about the uh, law that was passed in California and signed by the governor there that would allow college athletes to hire agents and be paid while they are in college. Well, no one knows much more about raising money for college athletics than our next guest, Dick Vogel. He's the former head of the Southern Miss Eagle Club and now, of course, the director of the Office for Advancement at William Carey University. And he spent a lot of years doing athletic fundraising. So I wanted to get his input on all these developments. Dick, thanks for coming on the Eagle Hour. Oh, thank you so much for having me, Bob. I appreciate it. Well, I don't think that I know anybody uh, that's a more go-to guy for me when it comes to questions about fundraising and college athletics. And so yesterday this bill was announced as signed in California. Can Athletes there in, in a couple of years should be able to pay or hire agents, rather, and get paid for endorsements and that sort of thing. Your thoughts on that, and, and the main question I had for you is, if that were to become the rule of the land across the country, what would that, first of all, do to schools like Southern Miss? Well, you know, it's, it's very interesting because I've got all the information in front of me. And, of course, this is scheduled to start in 2023, so there's plenty of time for lawsuits. But there is two sides to the issue of how much revenue schools like Alabama and, and the, the top 20 schools bring in, you know, versus schools like, like Southern Miss, which we care so deeply about. But, you know, in this article by the New York Times, for example, they're saying the average salary for a player that making an endorsement uh, from a top institution would be close to $400,000 a year. And that's just an average of the top 10% and the top 15% of basketball players. I mean, I just don't see that kind of money in Hattiesburg. I'm sure that some of the players in Hattiesburg are good enough to get local endorsements, but certainly not to the level that a player at Alabama or UCLA or one of the major city universities could possibly get. So it's, it's going to tear the guts you know, out of college athletics as we know it. And it may, may be the divide that everyone's looking for where the NCAA breaks apart and you're going to have 
some colleges playing virtually professional sports and others remaining, you know, as, as pure uh, student-athlete schools. Dick, yesterday we interviewed a couple of kids that were graduates of, of Southern Miss, athletes at Southern Miss. One has a master's degree now. Uh, one kid is a, is a neonatal nurse uh, out in Florida. And I made the comment, to me, that's what athletics are about. And that's why if, a, if there are guys like me that feel that way, I think they're more inclined to donate money to athletic programs if that's the end result that you see from those athletic programs, examples being those two kids. But how is that going to affect fundraising if, if you're going out and you're asking John Doe out there to donate money to the local athletic department and there are football players on the team getting more money and endorsements that he may make? I think it'd be disastrous. Um, you know, once again, schools that have tremendous demand could probably survive it. But, you know, if athletes are being paid, all of a sudden, you know, is this a tax deduction anymore? I don't see it as a tax deduction. Um, you're already getting benefits, you know, of like your Eagle Club membership. So is that going to dwindle away? I think it's going to be very hard for people uh, to give for athletic scholarships. And it's going to hurt across the board. I don't know how a school like Southern Miss can make up that kind of revenue. And and Southern Miss is in the majority of schools. You know, once again, there's probably only 20 schools that are truly making a large sum of money across the board, even though there's a lot of high-revenue schools, uh, the vast majority are losing money. Southern Miss is is postured with the majority of schools. Mm -hmm. Luke? Hey, Dick, we, we never come uh, to the rescue of uh, both of the schools up north <laughs> at all. Um, but, but you know, I had a point that got brought up to me yesterday. You, you look at Ole Miss, uh, they got a medical school, they got a law school, so they're, they're exempt in some of this. But you got even Power 5 teams, you know, like, like Mississippi State or, or other teams, they don't have the the revenue that some of these you, you keep mentioning it top twenty. So I mean, if this something like this were to happen, do you even foresee where there would be even people that are uh, in it right now and and have revenue sharing in the Power Five conferences? It could be detrimental to their athletic programs too because they don't take in the same amount of revenue as a top twenty program. Oh, absolutely. That that's that's my whole point. That Southern Southern Miss sits in the with the majority of schools. Forget being a Power Five player. I mean, there's. This would be detrimental to everyone. Uh, you know, like I tried to, to prepare for this segment, and every article I'm reading, you know, talks about the end of college athletics as we know it. Now, with the, I'm not substantiating whether that's right or wrong. It's just the end of, of amateur sports as we know it if this goes into effect. And, you what know, is from your standpoint, it'd be horrible. Yeah, and, and I guess that's the, the, the two main arguments are the fundraising and then the end as, as we know it. I pulled up an article from Forbes. Uh, this is uh, several years old, so it's, it's pretty interesting, though. But it factors in what a scholarship is worth. Uh, for instance, at the University of Oklahoma, an in-state cost uh, would be 82000 Out-of-state cost this is over four years would be 124000 But the net on that for uh, uh, someone that wouldn't go to college otherwise and gets – um, you know, the ability to get a four-year education. When you stretch that over a lifetime, that is multiple millions of dollars of, of earning. And mm-hmm. why don't, why don't people see that? Why don't people understand that these, that these athletes are already getting paid in that way? Well, I, th- I think, you know, in several of the articles, the, I think a lot of the athletes do perceive that. 
it's it's only your highly visible athletes that feel they should get a bigger share of the pot. And of course, when you look at the salaries in the NBA, like I think a lot of the articles uh, of support for for paying the players is coming from NBA players. Uh, um, a lot of them don't even finish their their four year degrees. So that that's another real negative. What is this going to do to forcing a, uh, a student to stay in school, get his degree? Is this just going to become the minor league of of all the major sports? What happens to the the guys? Like for example, you know, even William Carey. We have great soccer. Some of our kids go on to play for their countries at the national level. But you know, what's going to happen if uh, you can get paid at some of the schools? But soccer is not going to get paid. What? what a football player is going to get paid in the United States. I mean, it's going to hurt everything across the board. What about your Title IX? I mean, what happens to a girl that right. plays basketball at Southern Miss? Where's that support going to come from? Right. Well, there's so many sides to it. Here's kind of another funding question I think you may have the answer to. I see here and in, in other places that I go where local businesses will advertise their business using – cheerleaders, mascots, facilities from a college, in this case here, a Southern Miss. Do those businesses in turn have to pay money to the colleges for use of those images and those those students, Dick? Well, I think mo- most of them, like in the case of, uh, you know, Southern Miss, they are actually paying um, to do the commercials. I know we've, we've let a few people do commercials um, here at William Carey because we feel it's enhancing enhancing us but i'm sure like jamie martin would tell you that you know she allows some of those those filmings because they're actually you know are paying but at at what point now do you like i I don't mean to use reggie collier but to me he was probably the greatest you know quarterback of of his time you know what what happens how many times was his image used Mm -hmm. and and the school wouldn't get anything but reggie collier would make you know hundreds of thousands of dollars why pay the school to show a picture of the field when you can have reggie talk Mm-hmm. You know, and and same with you know some of the other players. So I mean, it's it's going to impact everyone. But once again, if if you're really a top-notch player, are you going to come to Southern Miss knowing that if you're that good, you can make far more money? You know, going to a an well, well, we heard an analogy yesterday. Uh, just an analogy: a kid is recruited to Notre Dame. Then here comes a guy from USC because, come on, boy, you know you can make a lot more money in California than Indiana. So he shoots off to California where he can make the biggest bucks. Absolutely. It's going to affect a lot of people. All right, Dick. Great insight, man. I'm sure we'll be having more conversations about this subject uh, if this continues to develop. And uh, we, as always, man, appreciate your wisdom. Oh, my pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. Dick Vogel, everybody, from William Carey University, former director of the Eagle Club. We'll be right back. To the top. To the top. You're tuned in to the Eagle Hour. Hey, welcome back. I want to thank Dick Vogel, a go-to guy when it comes to uh, things like raising money for athletics and uh, athletic development. He's just a great source, and we always appreciate Dick's input. This segment is sponsored by Campus Bookmart and CampusBookmart.net. 
All right, Christmas not too long away. I already see the Halloween pumpkins showing up everywhere. That's generally a really rapid countdown to Christmas. And uh, this would be a great time for you to start thinking about Campus Bookmark, campusbookmark.net, a great place for any Southern Miss fan on your shopping list. All right, our next guest is a former volleyball star for the Lady Eagles and is now a volleyball referee, so she has great insight uh, into this growing sport of women's volleyball. Maureen Sullivan McCannon making her first appearance on the Eagle Hour, and we are glad to have you. Thanks for coming on. Thanks for inviting me. Oh, it's our pleasure. So you're over in Huntsville, <laughs> Alabama, is that correct? Actually, now I have moved to Spanish Fort, Alabama. Spanish Fort, Alabama. Okay. Yeah, I raised my kids up in Huntsville. So. I got you. But originally from Mobile. <laughs> All right, and so you're you're refereeing women's volleyball. Is that information given to me correct? That is correct. All right, and you're a former volleyball correct. star here, so you have a great perception of this sport i i'd be curious to ask you first of all how has the game changed from the time you played the sport to what you're refereeing now and the second part of the question is how do you explain this growing popularity i, I am surprised maureen I, i'm starting to catch some some uh, bits of, of women's volleyball on espn at bigger schools and I'm, I'm amazed at how many people are there watching the sport Oh, I know exactly. I mean, you go, you got. I watched um, Stanford and Penn State the other day, and it was just, and even Nebraska. Like you've got people waiting on tickets for those. But the speed of the game, it's just, it's just an exciting game, fast paced, and um, it's just fun to watch and be a part of. And um, now the girls are playing year round, year year round, and they're starting at ages, you know, six. Mm-hmm. and getting stronger and faster, and it makes the game stronger and faster and more exciting. We hear that in other sports. The players are bigger, stronger, faster. Is that the case in women's volleyball? Um, I believe so. I mean, for uh, Division One, you're always looking for that front line of, um, you know, 5'11 and above, um, and even at the setting position. Of course, you always have the defensive specialists and the liberos um, who are going to keep you in the game. But you definitely need those girls on the front who are putting the ball away. Right. So, um, yeah. And the knowledge that these kids are getting so early on, I probably didn't get. I mean, I had a great base out of a Catholic school here in Mobile at Little Flower. Um, but the, um, I didn't get that knowledge until uh, more into high school. And it even evolved a little bit more um, at Southern Miss. Right. So um, now these kids are getting the knowledge early, early on. So. Right. Luke, welcome Maureen Sullivan McCannon to the Eagle Hour. Thanks for so much for being on. I was uh, was looking at the uh, almanac this year, the media guide for volleyball. Your name keeps coming up in two ta- two categories: aces and blocks. Now, when I think of uh, of aces, you know, I think of uh, somebody that's finesse. When I think of blocks, I think of somebody that's that's you know more just aggressive. You had both in your game. I I was um, that the aces came out of serving. Yes, um, uh, of course I had uh, a couple of errors there, but I mean um, I was a pretty strong server. Um, I had Coach Grant Helen Grant, which I think she's still part of the uh, the, the uh, university. Um, but I, um, I'm only five seven, so uh, I have I had a lot of hops, and at times she had to play me in the middle. Which now you look at middles that are closer to six one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So. 
Um, you were uh, in, in some of the first years of Southern Miss Volleyball. Your freshman year was 82, is that right? It was 81. 81, was so my, it was really the third yeah. year of the program. Exactly, um, exactly. What drew you to Southern Miss and, you know, that the, just the growing pains and the excitement, though, of being a part of a new program? Um, well, I, uh, I tried out. It, back then, you could actually try out in several different places, and I had tried out in several different places and even Ole Miss, and um, I was able to walk on at different places. And then uh, when I met Coach Grant, loved her, loved the uh, college. It was close to home. And you know, she said, "Hey, we got some. We got a, we got a scholarship waiting for you. Um, come join us." And I was like, "I'm I'm sold." And I'm so glad I went. I love being a part of of USM and, and the whole history of it. So, Maureen, we Maureen, we don't say Ole Miss on this show, just for further reference. I'm, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Uh, you're you're umpiring volleyball, refereeing volleyball. Have you actually come back and refereed a Southern Miss game? I was a line judge last year. Um, yeah, I was. Uh, I came to actually three matches. Um, I'm, I'm in. I do club and I do high school, um, but because I did a lot of coaching, um, I haven't quite gotten up to the college level on on the stand. Mm-hmm. But I love to do the line judge. Well, were you uh, able to? Were you back. able to do some things to help the team win those matches? Just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding again. Don't take me too seriously. It's funny you say that because uh, the last one I went to, um, they were playing Alabama A and M, and uh, Rose Powell, who she's you know from Huntsville, and she's one of my best friends. And I called mm-hmm. one that she was like, "That ball was out." <laughs> <laughs> now, Maureen, please explain to my friend since you're since you're an official referee. Explain to my friend Luke, who's a Saints fan, that referees do not go into games with a mindset of we're going to make bad calls against Team X, just to make Luke feel better. Absolutely not. You hear that, Luke? You hear that? <laughs> and the I halfway believe her. She seems like a good referee, though. <laughs> <laughs> so was the difference it- in a volleyball official is we have to pretty much judge every single contact on that ball. And it, it's, it can get tough at times. <laughs> mm-hmm. So uh, was it odd to be at your alma mater doing that? It was. And um, Shirley Jones was there when I was there, and she was actually there helping out with the score and everything. Mm-hmm. So it's same Coliseum and everything, which mm-hmm. is, um, yeah, yeah it, was, it was good memories. <laughs> now, you said you do high school ball too, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. I got to ask you this question. Are okay. parents as bad at in that atmosphere as they now are in Little League Baseball? Um, it, can, it can be a little rough at times, yeah. It's mm-hmm. funny because when we do club ball, we start at 10 years old all the way up to 18. And sometimes even at, more at the 10-year-old age, it's a little more <laughs> difficult than you get up to the 18-year-old. <laughs> what, what message would you have for parents of 10-year-old athletes that act that way? Um, I would just say, let them enjoy the game. They're there to learn and get the knowledge and do they want, you know, I know they want them to win, but those kids are, are really at the base of this game and, and we want them to learn to enjoy it. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and just let them have a good time on the court. <laughs> the parents get more upset than the kids, don't they? 
Exactly. At, at yeah. times, yes. Yeah, yeah. exactly. At, at times. And, um, you know, it's, it's, the rules are totally different. High school rules, college rules, and club rules. We have to read three different rule books <laughs> and take mm-hmm. tests on three different books. Mm-hmm. because there's there's slight differences in the rules. Right. So. All right, Luke, now that we've had this uh, wonderful lady on our show, are you feeling better about the officiating situation down there in New Orleans? Two totally different sports. No. Two totally but, but, different but, but, but sports But officiating altogether. is the same, Luke. <laughs> <laughs> He's a bitter saint. You mean to keep us being silent? Yeah. He's a bitter saint. And I come on the coaching side. I've been on the coaching side, too, and I always felt if I always got to the point where I'm blaming the referees, then i got to up my job a little bit. <laughs> That's a really good point. That's a really good point. All right, Luke, what else have you got for this lady? Um. What would you what would you tell um, you know young ladies out there that are aspiring to play college volleyball now just because you're so so around it so much? Um, and, and I think Southern Miss is actually going in the right direction with it too. I would say um, giving them a chance to do the indoor and outdoor. That beach, uh, the beach volleyball is a great way to um, get another aspect and enjoying the game, and um, just you know. Get some get some good training out there. Um, go to some. Uh, I know you guys do some um, camps and things like that, and just learning all the aspects of the game. So. Well, Maureen, it's been a great conversation with you. We we thank you so very much for your time and uh, for setting Luke straight. I think he can enjoy the rest of the NFL football <laughs> season now without this feeling thank that you. something bad is going to happen to his team intentionally. We appreciate your time uh, very much. Oh, thank you for having me on. I really appreciate it. All thank right. You. Maureen Sullivan right. McCannon, everybody, a former volleyball star for the Lady Eagles. And now, interesting, a volleyball referee. I think she's the first of those we've had on the show, Luke. She is. She is. And and I've watched uh, – I go watch high school volleyball a lot. Mm-hmm. I don't want to be the official because sometimes you can't determine what hits that line and what doesn't. Right. And it's all a judgment call, that's for sure. All right. When we come back, we're going to take a look at Conference USA football. Statistically, at this point in the season, who are the best teams in the league? We're going to give you every category of that when we come back. Back on a Wednesday. Appreciate you hanging with us on this edition of the Eagle Hour. Bob, Luke, and Dalton from the First Bank Studios in Hattiesburg and beautiful downtown Laurel. Four Street Bar and Grill has lunch specials for you every single day, $8.95 with a drink. Check out Four Street Bar and Grill on Four Street in Hattiesburg, Mississippi. Yeah, I appreciate you. Bob, sicking the the volleyball ref on me. <laughs> well, I'm worried. Um, about you. I'm worried about you. You, you, you know, Saints fans it's, it's are a, you Saints fans are taking this stuff too hard. You with yeah, me? You but with me, still, 
I'm just just it's glad we won. I mean, you, you process it. Yeah, I think so. Anyway, yeah. continue on. Go ahead. Okay, Luke. I thought today might be a good day to. Um, we're kind of in a break here for Southern Miss football. And uh, five weeks into the season, take a look uh, at at Conference USA and see where teams stand statistically in Conference USA. That kind of gives you sort of a snapshot of of perhaps who's playing, what aspects of the game best. So uh, you're good with doing that? Yeah, let's do it. Let's start with the scoring offense. And I'm going to give you the top three. I'm going to give you the top three teams uh, in each category. Charlotte is the number one team in the league right now. They're averaging 35.8 points a game. North Texas is second at 33 points a game, and Florida Atlantic at 32.6. Anything there surprise you? Uh, Charlotte did have uh, the best offense before they went to Clemson, South Carolina. Um, they, they got a good running back. Uh, I just don't think they played very many people, and that's why they're probably at the top of it right now. Well, rushing offense, you're exactly right. They lead the league in rushing offense, 219 yards a game. Marshall is second with 206 yards a game, and North Texas with 181 yards a game. So already you're beginning to see that in two weeks what the Southern Miss team is going to have to deal with is this North Texas offense, right? Yeah, and what it's going to start with is the passing game, and that's what kind of scares me about North Texas because Mason Fine can uh, can throw it anywhere he really wants to. They've just been down, and it seems like they've been down on the defensive side of the football. So uh, Eagles need to take advantage of it for sure. But, yeah, when you look at Charlotte, two and three overall, best offense, uh, but they, they, they played uh, – who is this? This is Webb State? Oh, it's Gardner-Webb. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. Gardner-Webb. Uh, surprisingly, they put 41 up on Appalachian in a um, you know in, in a loss, uh, but then they play UMass and and then they play uh, FAU. They only put three touchdowns or 27 points up on the Owls. So th- they started early, but uh, a lot of that is inflated based off their first three games. Right, and uh, Southern Miss leads the league in pass offense, 313 yards a game. Florida Atlantic with 291 right on their heels and Louisiana Tech at 276. So uh, the Southern Miss pass offense uh, piling up some yards, uh, not so much uh, on the ground, but we've we've talked a lot about that. All right, let's look defensively. The number one scoring defense in the league, what would you guess? Who would you guess that is, Luke Johnson? Who? It ain't Southern Miss. No, no. Not in the top three. Well, the number one scoring team in the league. Louisiana uh, Tech? Well, they're number two. Best scoring defense in the league, and this is the amount of points given up per game. UAB giving up 15.5 points per game. Louisiana Tech is second at 22.4. And Western Kentucky uh, third, giving up 25 points a game. Best rushing defense in the league. Texas San Antonio, oddly, giving up. 147 yards a game. Charlotte second, 184. UAB third, 186. Uh, That's pass defense. And uh, then rushing defense. Uh, UAB again leading the league. Only only 79.8 yards a game they're giving up on the ground. Old Dominion 94. And uh, Texas, let's see here, Texas... Oh, I'm sorry. USM is third at 123 yards a game. 
remarkable, though, I think, when, you can, when you're going to average less than 100 yards a game uh, giving up to the run. And as long as you're doing that, you have a chance to win a lot of football games. But San Antonio uh, has uh, the best rush defense because you don't have to run it against them if you can throw for 3,000 yards a game on them and and that that's part of that uab surprises me uh but i think they really got exposed this last weekend UA guess guess who the uh the team that has scored the most points on uab no who's that it would be the absolute worst team in division one the akron zips last week we had the uh the the battle of the uh the no win teams umass beat akron and so, you know, UAB's give, gave up uh, 19 against Alabama State. They gave up 20 against Akron, blew out uh, South Alabama, and then gave up 20 uh, to Western Kentucky this past weekend. So I, I still I think UAB got exposed. I, I think uh, especially going in – here's your upset special of the week right here. I think there's a really good possibility Rice may beat UAB this week. At UAB. That's where they're playing, at UAB. Uh, Western Kentucky plays at Old Dominion this week. Rice is at UAB. UMass is at Florida International. They they seem to be playing a lot of Conference USA games. Texas San Antonio at Texas El Paso. There'll be a lot of green chili served at that one. And Old Dominion uh, is at Marshall. So three big conference games coming up in the next month for Southern Miss. North Texas, UAB, Louisiana Tech. Challenges. From one to three, in what order do you see the toughest, the middle, and the easiest of the three games? Don't forget, isn't Rice in there also? Rice, but yes, Rice is. But I'm I'm just talking about the other three. You obviously I'm, what, I, what I'm telling you is I'm I'm I am personally thinking that the Rice may be in the top three, and not mm. call me out, knock on wood. I'm thinking that the at Rice game may be harder for Southern Miss than the against UAB. At home, and and the reason I'm telling you that is you're coming off your hardest stretch. What if you go two and zero against North Texas and Louisiana Tech, and you sleep on Rice? Well, they just took La Tech to overtime. Uh-huh. Um, but it, but to stay within your argument, North Texas, La Tech, UAB. That that's it's it's the same order as it is on the schedule. North Texas is going to be a shootout. Uh, Louisiana Tech is going to be a closer game, and then who knows what might happen in UAB. Well, you know, the the last two times Southern Miss has gone to Rice and played, it has been a shootout. I mean, it has not been it has not been an easy matchup uh, for the Golden Eagles. So, I think you're right. I think I think overlooking Rice would be a mistake. You know, they led most of the game this past weekend until they lost toward the end of the football game. So. They're winless, but I I tend to agree with you. I think Rice is becoming a little bit of a dark horse and a little bit of a dangerous opponent for anybody, don't you think? They're winless, uh, but they lost by seven on the road at Army. They lost by three against Louisiana Tech. They lost by eight against Baylor. Uh, the only two games they weren't in was Wake Forest and Texas. But, I mean, you, you're talking about they gave Louisiana Tech everything that they, they were uh, – anything they could. They lost last two games by 11 combined points. Uh, a real test for them uh, will be this coming weekend uh, against UAB, but I, I think they're the the best winless team in the league. If that's if you can even, <laughs> I guess, say that. <laughs> but <laughs> but I think I, I really do. I think that I think Rice is going to mess up. They're going to throw a wrench in the West because 
they are going to win a game that they're not supposed to win. They may win two games um, that they're not supposed to win, and so that's why Southern Miss can't overlook them if they're fortunate enough to go 2-0 and against La Tech in North Texas. I'm still believing that in the East, when everything is said and done, it's going to be Florida Atlantic that wins the East. I just think Florida Atlantic seems to be getting a little better and better, and we, we forget about that game, but that's the last game of the year for Southern Miss at Florida Atlantic, if I'm not mistaken. So, uh, Boy, there's a lot of uncertainty left, don't you think? Well, it's just because these teams have been up and down, and and uh, you know, in some ways they've they've played well out of conference, other ways they look terrible out of conference. I just think it's a, uh, and and this is to the detriment of Conference USA. I think that there's more parity in the league this year, and it seems like uh, that there's more parity in the league, and the league doesn't have any parity outside the league. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you you've got to Southern Miss. Let's let's just be honest. It would be a tremendous dis- disappointment this year if Southern Miss doesn't win the West, simply because the teams that have have beat you in the West are down this year. I think that's right, and I think you know, I think with all due respect to the coaching staff, it's time to put up. You know what I'm saying? It's time to it's time to step up and win a division championship again and play for the conference championship. It is, with all due respect to everybody in the league, Luke, Conference USA. Southern Miss, with its football heritage and history, should be competing, at least in the mix, for that championship every year, in my opinion. Fair? Unfair? No, it's exactly fair. They should be winning it every year. Right. It's just the hard part, and we've been talking about the the evolution of, of college football. It's hard now to find sleepers out there in recruiting world. You can't go out, you know, in obviously the 80s and 90s or even when I played and find somebody that slipped through the cracks. There's too much exposure now. Uh, but at the same time, there's no excuse why we shouldn't be winning the West every year. I agree. All right, we're going to wrap it up when we come back. Got some news about Luke, so don't go anywhere. To the top. Fourth segment of the Eagle Hour brought to you today and every day by Gulfport Home Center, located on Highway 49 in Gulfport. More room for you, more room for your family. You can also check them out online, gulfporthomecenter.ms. Well, uh, speaking of the Houdats, uh, Demario Davis, the outstanding middle linebacker, who we should say is from Brandon, Mississippi, mm. uh, gets fined, Bob. Um, and this is not from the, the Cowboys game. This is uh, goes back to the Seattle game. He because Breeze didn't make the trip. He did the the pregame, uh, you know, huddle speech, and and it was pretty intense. But he was wearing um, a, a bandana that said "Man of God" on it, 
And uh, he, for some reason, the NFL, because they're the NFL, uh, they find him $7,017.00. He posted on Instagram. So I got, I got fined 7 k for my headband. Should I continue to wear it or no? Hashtag let the people decide. Hashtag man of the people. Hashtag man of God. I have, I have zero credibility. Uh, for the people in the NFL. This is just a long-standing line of it. I'll get your comments on both of it. But you go back, you think about uh, a few years ago, Cameron Hayward for the Pittsburgh Steelers honoring his dad, Ironhead Hayward, who was a, who was a hoot at, uh, and wears eye black that says Ironhead Hayward. He gets fined. Same year, D'Angelo Williams, who lost his mother and four aunts to breast cancer, wears eye black honoring... Uh, cancer awareness or to, to bring awareness to cancer he gets fined for the whatever the personal uh you know clothes policy or whatever it is it's mm-hmm. just the nfl is a joke from at, at the top there is just a, well, a no joke. question i remember they find robert griffin a big amount of money because he wore a t-shirt that said i love jesus and yet colin kaepernick never faced a fine for wearing socks that depicted police officers as pigs or insulting three-quarters of the nation every time he came on the football field. So I guess that's probably all we need to say about the management of the National Football League. All right, uh, so we're coming up on October. What's today, guys, the 2nd of October? Uh, that's that's right. right. Uh, today is actually my mom's birthday. Well, happy birthday second. to Dalton's mom. Yeah. She, she's actually in Laurel right now at the Lauren Rogers Museum, so she might be listening. Undoubtedly listening to the show. Of course. Of of course. course. I know she's got a radio in because her office. Because everyone in Laurel listens to the show as well. <laughs> is that right? Uh, this is the time of year that our buddy Luke leaves us for a while. Luke, let our listeners know where you're going and when you'll be back. Headed uh, out this weekend, headed to Southeast Asia, being a few countries over there, and and just gracious uh, First Baptist of Ellisville and uh, Super Talk allow me to continue my mission work. Um, I'll be over really for uh, the whole month of, of October. I won't be around tomorrow or Friday. Be packing up and tying up some loose ends around here and then head out Saturday. Um, we'll be uh, training pastors in two different countries for two different weeks and then we should be traveling around. I have a nonprofit that sponsors uh, national pastors and ministry partners in different places in South Asia. And so uh, I will uh, I will be working with them and, and encouraging them and uh, just going in a lot of cool places go up in the mountains and i'll be uh, down in in some s- southern areas also so it should be an exciting time and we're trying to work out the technology may try to to call in to you and kelly mm-hmm. and dalton uh, a few times while i'm i'm out of the country too any chance that we never thought about this but uh, any chance we could get lauren to just sit in your place for the next three weeks over there in laurel Good luck trying to get her to talk in public. <laughs> just, just really good luck at that. <laughs> Kelly Sander will be sitting in for Luke Johnson for the next three weeks. That yeah. makes everyone here a little nervous. God help us all. <laughs> but, but we have a feel that he'll come in. Uh, what's going to be harder for you, Luke? Is it going to be being away from the Saints or being away from your Golden Eagles? Ooh. I'll keep up with both of them pretty good. You know, you, the the things you think about when you're outside the United States. I was uh, I was deep in the Himalayas about three years ago, in a pretty precarious situation. And I remember uh, my motivation, and, and you know, you do think about things that you like, like the Saints and, uh, and and Southern Miss. But I remember thinking one time, okay, if I don't get through this, I'll never see Lauren again. And then about ten minutes later, the the, the next thought came. 
if I don't get out of this, I'll never eat Chick-fil-A or fajita nachos ever again. Oh I'm just and I can't you tell you which Lauren one first. Yeah, you know, I can't just tell you which one was a little more motivational. But anyway, yeah. So, uh, you know, funny you mentioned. Yeah, I mean, that, actually, Chick Fil A actually just opened back up today in Hattiesburg after right? their big mm-hmm. renovation mm-hmm. period. Yeah. Well, look, I'm just glad you put Lauren first in the list there over Chick Fil A and, uh, and cheese nachos or whatever, whatever the other one, uh, whatever the other one was. All right, so look at the schedule real quickly before we run out of time, and give me a prediction of both teams what they're going to do in your absence. Southern Miss will uh, the rest of Oct- the four October. They'll win this week, obviously, playing uh, the mm-hmm. the open date. They will beat North Texas in a shootout. They will beat Louisiana Tech in a nail-biter, a 24-26-23. Andrew Stein will be big in that one. And then they'll win by two touchdowns at Rice. So the Eagles will be 6-2 and two when I return. Hudats may not lose a game. Even if they lose one game, I'll still be happy. So uh, I-, I think combined together, they'll go 5-1, and 6-1. and one. All right. Safe travels to you, my friend. And we'll look forward to hearing from you when you can get back in touch with us. Sounds good. And until then, we'll be back tomorrow, 1 o'clock, Southern Miss. To the top. top. Into the future. Time keeps on slipping, slipping, slipping. Into the future. Talk Mississippi Media Production.